0: Right. morning, Riverview. all right. It's good to be with you. My name is Tony. I'm one of the pastors here. I serve as the Westside Venue Director. We are one week away from Christmas. Yes. Okay. Show of hands, how many of you are done with your Christmas shopping? All right. Well done. Okay. Nice. How many of you, show of hands, have a little bit more to do? Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm with you. Moment of truth. How many of you have not started? Okay, yes. Well, you have a week left, so get on it. Okay. Um, But no, you know, around this time of year, uh, a week before Christmas, I'm just reminded of a lot of the memories uh, of Christmas that I had when I was a kid. You know, I remember waking up before dawn. My parents also remember that. Not as fond of memory for them uh, that it was for me. But I remember running uh, to the tree, seeing all the gifts. I remember tearing them open. Uh, showing them to my my brother and my sisters and my parents. And then I remember going back to school like a week later and then reporting, right, to all my friends. Oh, this is what I got. What would you get? You know, all that. And for many many years of my childhood, this was the routine. It was really those two things. First, it was come and see. Like, come and see all the stuff. And then it was go and tell. It was report everything uh, that had come to our house. You know, but looking back, Much of my gladness that I experienced uh, around Christmas as a kid, it was really wrapped up in the presents, in the gifts, in the material things. And because of that, that excitement that I experienced on Christmas Day was always fleeting. Christmas morning was an exuberant experience, but the day after Christmas was bleak. (laughs) right? It was a blue day because there was just, there was nothing left to open. The best day of the year had passed. 364 more days until that experience again. But these memories, you know, they come to mind for me this week because, you know, I think the Christmas season, it hits all of us differently. You know, for some of us, Christmas is a a very positive thing. It's a whirlwind of shopping and, and parties and plans and people and presents and all that, and we just, we love it. But for others of us, this is a difficult season. You know, Christmas is a reminder maybe of people that we've lost, people we won't be celebrating Christmas with this year, or maybe it's just, it's filled with memories that are really challenging for us. But wherever we are today, we're going to spend some time looking this morning at, at one particular word that shows up in the Christmas story in the text a lot over and over again, and, and it's a word that transcends circumstances. Now, word we're going to look at is the word joy. You know, the Greek word for joy, it comes from the, the Greek word kara, which is from the Greek word karis, which is the word for grace. Now, grace is, is being given something we don't deserve. It's God's grace often that he gives to us. And what joy is, is joy is gladness of heart. And it's a gift from God to us. That gift of joy is experienced through knowing God through seeing his work in the world, and through experiencing his presence in all circumstances. We're currently in the third week of our Advent series here at Riverview where we're looking at the Christmas story. So far, we've looked at the hope of a Savior uh, through the prophet Isaiah. And last week, we looked at the faith of Mary and Joseph. And this morning, uh, we're going to look at the word joy, and we're going to do it through the lens of two very different characters who show up in the Christmas story. We're going to see it through the shepherds and the angels. Because it's in them— that we see joy experienced through the, through the arrival of Jesus into the world. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, you can open up to Luke chapter 2. All the verses will be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. But if you do, flip your tap your way to Luke chapter 2. We're going to spend most of our time there uh, this morning. We're going to start in verse 8. And last week we heard about Mary and Joseph. We heard about their faith, their trek to Bethlehem. And at this point in the Gospel of Luke, Mary and Joseph had gotten to Bethlehem and she had given birth to Jesus. Verse 7 in chapter 2 says that she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room for them. But this is where we pick up the story. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, says this, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. So here in verse 8, we meet this first character. We see the shepherds. Now, shepherds were a huge part of Jewish life uh, during this time and in this part of the world. The primary job of a shepherd was to make sure that their flock of sheep were healthy and protected. Shepherds had this group of sheep that they would lead them to water. They'd lead them to pasture for food, right? They would protect them from, from wolves or thieves, and they would stay with their flock all day. Every day, 24-7. That's why these shepherds were watching their flocks at night. They didn't go home after their nine to five. They, they lived with the sheep. You know, throughout the Bible, there's a few key people that God chose to work through, to, to kind of work his plans through in the world that were also shepherds. You had Abraham. Abraham was the person. Uh, first, you have Abraham. Uh, God chose to bless Abraham, make him the father of the Israelite people. We see this in the book of Genesis. God's promise— uh, to Abraham was in Genesis 12. It was land, it was descendants, and it was blessing. But in the next chapter, we see that Abraham himself was a shepherd. He had great flocks and herds. Another person that we know a lot about is, the, is Moses. Uh, God chose Moses to be the person to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt and into the, that promised land. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, before Moses was, was called by God, we see him shepherding flocks for his father-in-law. He was a shepherd too. But then finally, you have David. You know, we really know of David from being the king of the Israelite people. But before that, he was a a young guy and he was a shepherd for his family. Like his job was to protect the herd. Shepherds were a huge part of Jewish life. And the work of a shepherd was pretty unique because it kept them out of the daily life of a Jewish person. The Jewish people, their life was really lived in community. They would often go to synagogue and they would worship at temple and they had all these different communal things that they would do. But shepherds didn't live in the community. Their work often set them outside of the community, of the Sabbath regulations, all that. So they weren't really seen as very influential in their community because they were more on the outside. They were in a solitary kind of job. But sheep were very important. To Jewish people. Once a year, Jewish people would celebrate the Passover. This is where they would remember back to the time that God freed their ancestors from slavery in Egypt. They would kill a a little lamb, a sheep, and then they would wipe the blood on the doorframe to symbolize the blood that very night when the angel passed over their houses. And those sheep would come from the shepherds in the community. Sheep were also used in temple offerings for for sin or for for worship and things like that. And it's pretty cool. It's likely that here in Luke chapter 2, these shepherds with their sheep, those are probably the sheep that were used in Jerusalem for the temple, for all the the things that they would do. So this is the first group of people that we meet that very night Jesus is born. It's these shepherds. But let's move on to verse 9. It says this, Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, the shepherds, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, this is one part of the Christmas story we have to be really careful not to read our modern views too strongly. And last week Noel kind of gave us a a peek of of biblical angels, right? And how angels in the Bible are often different than the angels that we decorate our homes with. Uh, and and around the Christmas season, right? I Googled some angel ornaments and I found some terror-inducing pictures. I'll tell you what. (laughs) Woo! Like. Like, I think adorable is probably a better word, right? But but see, this is what we think of when we think of angels uh, coming on on Christmas night. Like we get this picture, but when you look at the Bible, then you look at other verses and you see angels. Terror is the common reaction. Because angels were messengers of God. Noel last week said that they were the, the uh, Navy SEALs of the universe, <laughs> which is kind of a, it's an apt description. Because think about it. Angels would, would come to people and say, this is what God wants to say to you. It was a message from the Almighty. So it makes sense that the shepherds were terrified. The text says that the glory of the Lord shone around them. You know, when you, see, when you read in the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament, when the glory of the Lord would show up, God needed to figure out how to tone down the glory for people. They, they, they couldn't take it. One time in Exodus 33, toward the end of Moses' life, Moses made this request to God. He's like, God, show me your glory. And God's like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to place you in this big rock with this little crack in it. And then I'm going to cover, cover that crack with my hand and walk by. But then when I walk by, I'll, I'll move my hand so you can see my back. <laughs> because if you saw my glory, Moses, you would die. You cannot be in the presence of me like that. But when an angel stands before these shepherds, the glory of the Lord shone around them. We can understand the terror, right? But remember who this was. This was shepherds. They had experience in some scary situations. Like they would fight off wolves they'd fight off thieves and robbers like they would defend their flock against attack but the angels came that night this one angel came and said something very specific to these shepherds verse 10 don't be afraid common first thing angels would say don't be afraid for look i proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the city of david a savior was born for you who is the messiah the Lord. Now, again, that warning, don't be afraid, that was very common <laughs> because everyone was afraid of angels. But the message the angel shares is, is pretty unique. It's not one of warning or it's not one of danger, but it's one of goodness. The angel proclaims good news of great joy. Throughout the Bible, when angels would have a message for somebody, it would fall into two categories. They would either give that person news. Or they would give them advice. Now those kind of messages are different, aren't they? Advice is guidance on a decision that you should make. Hey, you should leave this place. Or you should go do this thing. It was something you would need to take action on. It's really interesting. In Matthew chapter 2, an angel appears to Joseph after Jesus had been born and gives Mary and Joseph advice. It's like, look, you, you two need to flee into Egypt. Right now, because Jesus will die if he stays here. That's what the angel tells him. But this angel shows up on the scene and says, I proclaim to you good news. News is different than advice. News is noteworthy information that's newly received. It's an event in history. It's something that has happened. We live in a particular time in history here in 2022, where we have access to the greatest amount of news in the shortest amount of time. If something were to happen across the world at this very moment, you could be notified of it personally and individually by that little device in your pocket that rules your life, your smartphone, right? We've never been more aware of what's happening around the world. And while that can be a good thing, I think this reality changes how we interact with news we often skim past it we read of the hardships and the hurts and the pains experienced around the world and it just doesn't sting because there's just so much of it right we scroll we scroll it's just brokenness brokenness on top of more brokenness that we see all the time and that cynicism actually works in the other direction too when we read good news as little as that happens what do we think That's not going to (laughs) last. I mean, look at all this. Look at all this brokenness. But the news that night from that angel to the shepherds, it was different. It was good news of great joy that would be for all the people. It was not fleeting or temporary news. It was eternal. It was lasting information that would change their lives Forever. Tim Keller is a pastor in New York. I like how he differentiates between news and advice. I think it's really helpful. He writes this, Advice is counsel about what you must do. News is a report about what's already been done. Advice urges you to make something happen. News urges you to recognize something that's already happened and to respond to it. Advice says it's all up to you to act. News says someone else has acted. On this night, those shepherds weren't given advice they weren't urged to make something happen they weren't told it was all up to them to act they were given news something had happened good news of great joy and this is what the news was today in the city of David a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah the Lord the news they hear is the news that they and the rest of the Jewish people had been waiting to hear, had been praying to hear for hundreds of years. The promised Messiah is here. He's the one they've been hoping for, the one the prophets spoke about, the one their hope was anchored in. So they hear this news, but then right after they hear it, something happens. Verse 13 it says, Suddenly, So right away, suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Now, when I look at the footnote in my Bible, that word for host is heavenly army. Remember the reaction from the shepherds when one angel showed up. Terror. (laughs) Oh, and then there's just an army of angels coming. I imagine the terror was turned up to 11, maybe, okay? Like, it was just too much. But these angels, they don't come bringing more messages. They are coming to worship. They're singing praise. They're worshiping this truth, this news that that angel had just shared. Glory be to God in the highest heaven, they say. This event that's happened can only be attributed to the work of God. The Messiah had finally come. You know, one of my favorite songs that we sing around the the Christmas season is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And that song is this. That's what it is. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. That comes from this passage because we see the next thing the angels say, peace on earth to people he favors. That peace the angels are talking about is salvation. It's God and its sinners reconciled. That reconciliation comes through that baby who would live and who would die for the sins of the world and who would resurrect from the dead. Peace comes through him. He's the Messiah. You know, after the angels share this news, the shepherds take action. We see something, verse 15. It says, when the angels had left them, And returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem, see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and they found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So the shepherds, once the angels leave, they don't just say, Well, that was crazy, and just stay where they are. No, they're like, We have to go and see this. We have to go to Bethlehem and see what's happened. And once they arrive, what do they see? They see a baby. The one the angels had told them about. An ordinary, chunky, (laughs) little baby boy. There was nothing special about him. But what happens next is so cool. Verse 17, look at this. After seeing them, so the shepherds get there, they see them. They reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So right after the shepherds get there and they confirm the news, they're like, okay. The angels were right. The baby is here. They leave and they become the first messengers of the Messiah. They do for others what the angels did for them. They went and they proclaimed the news the Lord has arrived. Now, we can't really miss what's going on in this scene. We have to really understand the context here. Like, it's the evening, right? They were with their flocks at night, so it's late. Uh, People are probably in their homes, probably asleep. And then they probably hear these shepherds running through the town saying, the Messiah is here. (laughs) He's come. Finally, he's here. And remember who the news reporters were? Shepherds. People with really no influence or power. In their society. Their lives are lived outside of the community. Now, to us, this doesn't seem like the best way to get the message out, right? When people have news to leak to the press, you know what they don't do? The first place they don't go is to their uncle who has five social media followers, okay? (laughs) Like, no, they go to people and organizations with the greatest reach, How can we get this news out to the most people, most reliably in the shortest amount of time? And in that day, you know who that would have been? It wouldn't have been the shepherds. It would have been the priests. It would have been the religious leaders, Pharisees. But that's not who the angel spoke to. The angel spoke to shepherds. And I love what this truth shows us about the character of God. God uses ordinary people to make an extraordinary impact in the world for him. God uses ordinary people to make an extraordinary impact on the world for him. You know, it really shouldn't surprise us that God did something different than than what we think he should have done. (laughs) This happens a lot, actually. And there's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that tells us exactly why God does this. Why would God use these people. It says this in verse 27, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something so that no one may boast in his presence. God sees people differently. And isn't that such a beautiful picture of the Christmas story? The Messiah came as a baby, a powerless, little baby. God uses weak weakness. He uses insignificance to bring about incredible things because that shows his character. People were amazed at the truth these shepherds were sharing that very night. So, what happens after this night? This is without a doubt the most incredible thing that, ha- that has ever happened to the shepherds and will ever happen to them. Well, we see it in verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which is just as they had been told. So, what happened next? Tuesday. <laughs> that was it. They returned. They were shepherds. They went back to their flocks. But they weren't like me. Day after Christmas. They weren't bleak. They weren't blue after a a joyous day. They glorified and praised God. They would never be the same. They saw the living Christ. They saw the one who would grow up who had saved them from their sins. They believed. They glorified and they praised God for all the things they had seen and heard. Because this is the only fitting response for someone who has seen the Savior. It's joy. It's gladness. It's worship. In these 12 verses, we see that joy. We see the gift from God that's experienced in us through knowing him, through seeing God's work in the world, and through experiencing his presence in all circumstances. And we see it in shepherds, and we see it in angels. We see it in the angels who, who arrive to worship God that night. They're overflowing with gladness and joy, singing about this truth that happened. But we also see joy in the shepherds. Shepherds were not impressive in the eyes of the world, But they were to God. Because God entrusted the news of Jesus to them first. And did you notice something about the shepherds? They believed without question. When you read the Christmas story and you you see other people interacting with angels, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, what? Are you? you?" Shepherds, they didn't do that. They heard it and they said, we got to go. We got to go see this. Shepherds show us a beautiful truth of the gospel and it's this, the good news, the gospel message of Jesus, his life, his death on the cross for our sins and his resurrection, that message is for everyone. It's so straightforward and clear that children can understand it and believe it, yet it is so deep and it is so profound that it will continue to change us. We will never plumb the depths completely of the gospel in our lives. When the gospel is believed in faith, it produces something in us. It produces joy. Are you experiencing that joy? Do you know God? Have you put your faith in the gospel message of Jesus, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection for you? I like what Luke 15 verse 7 says. It says there will be more joy. Chara, that same word, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Is that true of you? Do you recognize the work God is doing in the world? How God sustains all things by his powerful word, as it says in Hebrews chapter 1. Acts 15 verse 3 there's this faith community in Antioch and the the text says that they were brought great joy when they heard about the work God was doing all around them. We experience joy when people come to faith in Christ. When we see what God is doing in the world. Are your eyes open to that? And finally excuse me are you experiencing God's presence in your life? How is God changing you? How is he providing for you? How are you seeing his care? You know, I think for us, we can often think, God is really caring for me because my life is comfortable. Because things are good. But we actually see the opposite in Scripture. James chapter 1, verse 2 is a really challenging verse for us because it says, whenever you encounter trials, you know what you should consider them? You should consider them joy. Because in that trial, and that hardship, the testing of your faith is developing perseverance. God is with you in that. We experience joy in the presence of God with us. You know, over the last few weeks, we've kind of seen how we often misplace the words we're looking at for Christmas. We misplace those around, around this season. We misplace our hope. We misplace our faith. We do the same thing with our joy. It's often shallow, placed in the material things rather than the eternal truths. But the Bible describes something different. Joy is not fleeting. It's not tied with our circumstances. It is gladness of heart that remains with us because it is anchored in who God is and what he has done for us. We see this in Luke chapter 2. How the news of the Savior changed the people who heard it that night. And I love what the shepherds do. They do two things that are really the two things we do as followers of Jesus after we hear the news of our Savior. They come and see, and they go and tell. First, they come and see. After hearing the news, the shepherds beeline it to Bethlehem, to the Savior. They have to see him. Think about yourself for for just a minute. Do you remember where you were when you first heard the news? When you first heard about Jesus? Do you remember how you saw the Savior for the first time? Well, it probably wasn't as crazy as the story that the shepherds had. If you're a follower of Jesus, there was a time when you were confronted with the truth of who you were. And your need for a Savior. You maybe weren't searching for it. You maybe didn't think that you needed it at all. But at some point, that truth, that news came to you. You considered Jesus. You truly looked at him and you believed. You may be here this morning and maybe you haven't done that. For whatever reason, God, Christianity, Jesus, that's just, it's not for you. You're just like, I'm not that interested. Maybe you're just like those shepherds. You're just doing your thing, not expecting to be met by God. But if that's you, I really hope and I pray that you would look at Jesus today. Truly, look at him. We see Jesus through his word to us. It is revealed. It's given to us. So we can know God and be known by him. Consider Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. Because it's here in his word, you will find that savior, the source of true joy. You know, as Christians, it's this time of the year that we look at the manger. How our savior came to the world. In everything that we do, we must continue to come and see. Come and see Jesus as the Lord and ruler of our lives. And we do that in the same way we did before we knew Jesus. We come to the word. We let the word speak to us. We speak with God in prayer, and we live life together in community with one another. Because it's here, that's where our joy resides. We come and we see. But that's not all that we do. We also go and tell. After the shepherds see Jesus, they cannot help but tell others about him. The news is just so great they have to share it. Like joyful kids on Christmas morning, right? They have to tell tell other people what they got. They told anyone who would listen, the Savior is here. What I love about joy is that joy overflows from those who experience it. Overflows into the lives of other people. And that's because we want other people to experience the same joy that we do. And that comes through going and telling other people about the source of our joy, knowing the Savior Jesus. Are you sharing that joy? What are we going and telling people? When it comes to those God has put in our lives, our family, our friends, our neighbors, are, are we giving them advice or are we telling them the news? Remember, advice urges you to make something happen. It's all up to you to act. You have to do something. But news is different. Something has happened. Someone else has acted. News urges you to recognize something and respond to it. You know, the things that we say, the things that we talk about, that really reveals what we believe. If you believe that being a Christian is about being a good person, about being moral, about keeping the rules, you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna give advice. But if you believe that salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone, his death on the cross for our sins, you will share the news. Jesus was born, he lived, he died, he rose, and one day he will come back to reign as our king. That is news that demands a response. And the only fitting response to that is faith. It's trust in him and what he has done. I love this part of the Christmas story. I love looking at the shepherds because they are such a beautiful picture of joyful obedience. Let's go and see this thing that's happened. And after they see it, they go and they report what what they saw. Everyone who heard it was amazed. And what that was, was an overflow of their joy. That gift from God that is experienced through knowing him, through seeing his work in the world, Experiencing his presence in all circumstances. Let's pray. God, I do just thank you for your word. Lord, that we can open your word every single week, every single day, and we can let you speak to us. God, I think it's so encouraging, that the angel shared the news with shepherds. God, it's such a beautiful reminder to us that your ways are not our ways. God, we wouldn't have done it that way. But God, you did, and it shows us a beautiful truth of who you are, that the message of the gospel is for everyone and that every single person who believes in Jesus can report that news. God, as I think about Christmas and I think about people in my own life, God, I pray that you can help me share the news, help us as a church have joy, and glorify you because of this beautiful news that you sent us a Savior. That is why we celebrate Christmas every single year. You sent us a Savior, and it's in that Savior that true, lasting, eternal joy can be had. It's in that Savior's name, Jesus, we pray today. Amen.